You are listening to the Parkview Church Podcast. To learn more about Parkview Church, including our gathering times in Palm Coast, Florida, visit us online at parkviewlife.com. So often there are incredible stories uh, that are happening right here that uh, seems hard to even share all of them. But I'm certainly grateful that uh, this weekend we're just kind of reminding ourselves what God is doing through Emmanuel's closet. And uh, this is an interesting backstory that not very many people know. It was about 12 years ago, a guy came to me in our church and he said, Pastor, maybe 13 years ago, he said, Pastor, he said, I want to make an investment, but I want it to like go beyond just my investment. And he said to me, if I gave you $10,000 and you could turn it into something more, do you have something that you would do with it? And I said, let me think about that. I said, I have an initial response. I think I do, but let me think about it and I'll get back with you. And so I got back with him just a few days later and I said, listen, there's a small group in our church that has like this clothing thing that they're doing to help other people. And like they're putting it in a storage unit, they're loading their trailer, they're bringing it on church property, opening up a closet for a Saturday, putting it all back in what's left over, taking it back to the storage unit. And then they do that every month. And it's a mobile thing that they're putting in a storage unit, bringing it to the church and then taking back. I said, if we could turn that into a storefront, I said, I'd take your $10,000 and I'll get a storefront with it. And so here we are some 12 years later and uh, this is what God's doing. So that the, the third and fourth Thursday and Friday night of February, um, you can go online, our app or on our website and sign up to go and participate in a one-time serve uh, at Emmanuel's Closet. They've got a couple special projects they're going to be working on. And I know Trey mentioned that at the very outset of our service, but I would just uh, encourage you to do that. And I wanted you to know a little bit of, of the backstory that God took $10,000 and he just turned it into something that we would have never, ever dreamt that he would do. And so we celebrate that. And the way to, you know, keep giving back to, uh, you know, our community and families that uh, we, we call it not giving a hand out, but giving a hand up. And um, uh, so many people, uh, and, and many of you in here, uh, have served at Emmanuel's Closet or serve regularly. And from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for that. Uh, I think it's extremely important uh, as a church that we serve our city well. And that's one of the ways uh, that we do it. So we're in a series uh, called Faith in Five. And while each week stands alone, five-week series, each week stands alone, but there's also some connection to it. If you missed the first three weeks, I'd encourage you maybe go back online or uh, YouTube channel or wherever and, and, and watch and kind of catch up. But I realized this week that there's a premise, an underlying premise that I've been operating out of that I've not shared. And maybe I should have shared it in the first three weeks, and so forgive me, but at least I'm going to share it tonight. And, and this is kind of the premise I've been operating under and why I'm talking about this series, because the series is about we're talking about faith in five and it's five core competencies or five marks of maturity or five um just kind of what it looks like to be a christian we're looking at five different aspects and we're going to the greatest christian ever walked the earth outside of jesus paul 
We're going to his greatest writing, which was Romans. And then we're in Romans 12, which I think is his greatest chapter. So it's the greatest chapter in the greatest book by the greatest Christian. And he gives us five core competencies of Christianity, five kind of marks. And so when we say faith in five, we're not just thinking about what might our faith look like five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks. But beyond that, like five months from now, five years from now, beyond that, what do we want our faith to look like? And, and, and a new day, a new week, a new month, and especially a new year here we are, beginning of a new year, is, is, is grace. I was telling somebody this week, the fact that he, God stops it at 24 hours and gives us a new day is grace. Like, how many times have you ever, like, just had a bad day, but you got to the next day, and you're able to put that one behind you? It's a new day. It's grace. It's a new week. It's grace. It's a new month. It's grace. But particularly, it's a new year, and a new year is grace. And so, but we're thinking that, you know, five years and beyond, what, what's our faith going to look like? What's the journey of maturity and spirituality? And it, and it really doesn't matter where you are on the spiritual, you know, scale. You know, well, I'm just a two pastor. Okay, doesn't matter. Let's just take a step. You know, I'm a five. Well, okay, take a step. Wherever we are, moving towards those core competencies that Paul breaks down, the, the marks of maturity that he breaks down for us, gives us five things like, hey, here's what it really looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what Romans chapter 12 is all about. Now, here's my, here's my premise that I've been operating by that, I've, that I haven't shared, okay? And, and I'm going to say this, so this is important. Do not confuse biblical literacy and theological knowledge with spiritual maturity do not confuse biblical literacy and theological knowledge with spiritual maturity nor should we confuse faithful church attendance and the ability to pray public prayers with spiritual maturity. Okay, so you, you kind of, you understand what I'm kind of, this is the pre- premise I've been working out of. Like, spiritual maturity is not these things. Because we've all known people who are biblically literate and theologically sound who treat people horribly, are not good parents, are terrible community members, lousy employees, in their workplace so just because we're biblically literate and we have some theology some theology doesn't make us spiritually mature just because we go to church faithfully and we can maybe pray a public prayer doesn't mean we're spiritually mature and that's what i love about romans chapter 12 paul breaks it down in such a way he's like hey if you want to know kind of the core competencies or the marks of maturity here's kind of what they are in week one we talked about the surrendered life week two we talked about um, being separated from the world's value system. And then last week, we talked about being able to do a, a sober self-assessment. So surrendered life, separated from the world's value system, a sober self-assessment. And then this week, he's going to talk to us about how to serve in love. And I think more than just having biblical literacy and theological understanding, these are what are marks of maturity. When we really are surrendering our life to Christ, we're separating ourselves from the world's value system. We have a sober self-assessment, and then we serve others 
in love. So let's look at Romans chapter 12 if you have your Bible. If not, the words will be on the screen in a moment. But I'm going to begin looking in verse number uh, 9 of Romans 12, and then I'm just going to read down through uh, verse number 13. All right, here we go. It says, let love be genuine. That's a a great foundation to where we're going tonight. Let love be genuine. Abhor, which I just put in my notes in parentheses. Wow, that's a strong word. How often do you use the word abhor? So that's a strong word. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor you want to know what it looks like to be mature he's talking about it do not be slothful in zeal be fervent in spirit serve the lord rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation be constant in prayer contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality so if i were to simmer down what paul is trying to get across to us as a big idea here i would summarize this text or this portion of the text as we serve the world by loving others according to the word we serve the world by loving others according to the word of god and paul does an incredible job just walking us through what it looks like to love each other and to love others and to love people in general first of all number one God calls us to love others authentically, he says. God calls us to love others authentically. He said, let love be genuine. So when we love others, when we serve others in love, it's not about what can I get out of this. It's not about what's in it for me. Like, don't go to Emmanuel's closet and think, okay, well, is there any recognition for me when I go do this? Like, am I getting a thank you card in the mail? Like, I mean, I sure hope that I get like four attaboys before I leave. You know, might pastor use me in a sermon illustration of being like volunteer of the month? You know, like, what's in it for me? No, that's not authentic love. But we are to love others authentically. We simply love for the sake of loving. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, genuine love is always self-forgetful in the true sense of the word genuine love is always self-forgetful in the true sense of the word paul said it this way the church of corinth in second corinthians chapter 6 verses 3 through 6 he said we put no obstacle in anyone's way and i love that phrase i just thought man what a because listen to this we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry that was convicting to me i like i I, mean, I want to live like as a pastor. I just want to live in a way that, there's, that I'm not being a stumbling block. Like I just, man, don't be an obstacle. So then he says, verse four, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger. I know we thought it was tough to serve the Lord in the 21st century church. Bless your heart, you know. You had to give up a night of pinochle to go down and serve at something, you know. (laughs) 
you know. Well, that's, but, but I got pastor, that's my hobby night. Okay, he's like, no, I serve affliction, hardship, calamity, beating, imprisonment, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. And then he says, I do it by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit. And this was the wording I was, that, I, that just grabbed me here, genuine love. Paul is saying like, hey, I don't want to be a stumbling block. I just want to serve. I want to serve in such a way that, hey, look, I, I, I'm going to sacrifice. But the way that I serve, I just want it to be genuine. I want there to be genuine love. I want it to be authentic. I want it to be the real deal. Nobody likes fake or phony. I don't like fake. You don't like fake. You don't like phony in, in any area. The other day I was with Trey and we were going to a church planting kind of think tank for the state of Florida and excited about that. And then we were going to go away for the night and just kind of focus on some upcoming uh, sermons and things of that nature. So anyway, I said to Trey, hey, we'll go to St. Augustine. I said, I got a restaurant. A guy in the church actually took me to. I haven't been back, but it was really good. So I said, it's really good. I said, you like seafood? He's like, oh, I love it. So anybody in here ever been to Schooners up there on US-1 in St. Augustine? Anybody been to Schooners? Okay. So it's like, man, it's good, man. I got that, they got really good fried shrimp, and they got really good. I like the crinkle French fries, like, like Zaxby's kind of French fries. Like, I'm not a steak and shake French fry guy. I'm a Zaxby French fry guy, just, uh, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, it's not in my notes. But anyway, so Schooners has got these good French fries, and they got uh, the good, good shrimp. So anyway, lady brings it food to the table in pretty short order and um i grab the ketchup bottle for the french fries and i shake it up because you don't want the water coming out you know what i'm talking about right so i shake it up and i open it up and like i've never had this happen like the ketchup bottle almost exploded there was so much pressure in it somehow and i wasn't like squeezing i was holding it and I opened it up, and it, I mean, it was all over my hand. It was all over the French fries. It was everywhere. And I'm like, how do you stop an exploding ketchup bottle, you know? And um, so anyway, kind of got it under control, depressurized somehow. I don't even know. I don't even know how. But I realized what the problem was almost immediately. It's not Heinz 57. That's the problem. I mean, if we really want to get to the crux of the matter here, the problem is we got phony ketchup on the table. So I get it off my hand, and I start to eat it, and I'm like, you can tell the difference. I don't care. I don't care if you like hunts. You're wrong. You, 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 it's, it's wrong. You, I mean, I, mean my, I remember as a kid, my mom could just about buy anything black and white label, and I'd eat it, but not ketchup. It's Heinz 57. So anyway, we're eating, and Trey is so puzzled by it. Like, he's, he, he, I see him grab the bottle, and he's reading the ingredients on it. I'm like, I thought to myself, well, that's right. He said, something in this ketchup's sweet. Now, who in the world serves sweet ketchup? There was, there's something, it not only exploded, it tasted horrible. And I'm never going back to schooners ever again. Because they serve phony ketchup. That was actually a great meal outside of that, so I just got to be careful next time. But, but anybody can, uh, you can identify a fraud. You can identify phony. You can identify fake. And you know if somebody's being nice to you just to manipulate you. You know if they just want your vote. 
You know if they just want you to sign up. You know if they just want you as a client. I mean, you know, like, hey, cut it out. I'll vote for you or I'll sign up, but don't try and be nice in a way that's not normal. Like, don't, just don't do that, right? And I'm all for voting and I'm all for signing up and I, you know, I'm, I'm all good with all that. But you can just tell if somebody's just a little too much of us. So when we go to love people, we just need to be real, the real deal. We need to be authentic. We need to be genuine. We, we just, that's what we need to bring to the table. And Paul says, to, if you want to be mature in your faith, let love be genuine. Secondly, not only does God call us to love others genuinely, but God calls us to love others devotedly. To love others devotedly. He says in verse number 10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So just be devoted in the way that you love people. Be, be a devoted person. Be a devoted friend. Be a devoted family member. You know, so funny because so much that's a part of our culture wasn't a part of our culture years ago. Like, I mean, could you imagine, like, I never in my lifetime, like, a kid, a student, a young married, even in my middle age, I, I'd never heard of, like, a cancel culture. Like, that's a, new, that's a new phenomenon that we live in, this cancel culture. But if we're not careful, cancer culture can, cancel culture can bleed over into Christianity, even. Like, well, I'm just going to cancel people. Like, they, you know, they, they, did, they did something wrong, and, you know, they made a mistake. And so, but man, if you look back at both Old Testament and New Testament Christianity, you, we see that when God calls us to love, it's not just authentically, but when we're called to love people, we're to be devoted to those people, committed, if you would. And if someone makes a mistake, here, here's my thought. If someone makes a mistake... We shouldn't be so quick to leave. We should be quick to remind them that we're not going anywhere. That's what it means to love devotedly. Like, there will be a day, if you hang around long enough, there will be a day that I'll do something stupid. And some of you have been here long enough, you've experienced it on more than one occasion. So let's just be honest, okay? So I'm going to do something stupid. When I do something stupid, not if, because I'm not perfect, and, and, and you're not perfect, right? So this goes not just for you to me, this goes for me to you. When you do something stupid. I don't be quick to say, well, I'm, I, that, that, I'm not pastoring you anymore. No, actually, when, you, when I do something stupid, rather than saying, hey, I'm out of here, what about if you just said, hey, that was really dumb, but I just want you to know I'm not going anywhere. I'm just, I'm just going to be devoted. I'm going to see this thing through. I'm going to love you with some commitment and some devotion that, that others may not even, you know, understand. In fact, I would ask you this question. How many of you have been through a lot with somebody and you still love them today? How many of you say, I've been through a lot with somebody and I still love them today and they're sitting next to me. And so this is awkward... <laughs> This is awkward to raise my hand in front of them, but truth be told. So, um, and, but some of you love people that you have been through a lot with. And am I telling the truth? Some people are just hard to love. 
I call them EGR people. Extra grace required. (laughs) Some people are just hard to love. In fact, you love, I'll bet you love somebody today that sometimes you'd like to strangle them by their neck. You'd like to hang them upside down by their toenails. Like, I, I, but you've stuck around and you've stayed and you've been devoted to that now by the way sometimes loving devotedly might require you to love differently or to love from a distance let me say that again sometimes loving devotedly may require you to love differently and it may require you to love from a distance And some relationships are so complex that those seasons change. Like, there's better behavior, so now I can lean in. Okay, that's a little cray-cray, so I'm going to have to back up a little bit. Now, I've got a a friend of mine that just recently, he, you know, it's hard, but he put some firm boundaries in place with family that he loves so that he could better love his wife. Doesn't mean he doesn't love the family anymore. Just means he might have to love them differently. Means he might just have to love them from a distance. And all of us have people in our life that are hard to love. They're difficult to love. Some of them just stay in that season and some of them come and go in that season. But it's a challenge. But if you'll stay committed, I I just believe the Lord just blesses that. Um... Some of you have perfect kids. I want to talk to the rest of us for a minute, okay? Some of you, I know you're the perfect parent. You got perfect kids, and you tell me about it, and I'm happy for you. I am. I'm happy for you. Just don't like it. Um, so, our story is a brutal story, and um, and there's so much beauty in it. But it's, there's challenges, and there have been times I hang him by his toenails. And uh, this week, had a conversation, like FaceTime. And uh, even in that conversation, there's some, some challenges in it. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I finish up the conversation, and about 15 seconds later, I get a text from my boy. He says, Dad, I love you. You're my best friend. I'm like, well... So, yeah, so listen, so you know what I did? I just sat there and I cried. Now I want to strangle this kid. And I might strangle him later on this week. (laughs) And by the way, if somebody ever said to you, well, why do you keep loving them? Well, I mean, one good reason is because God keeps loving me. And please know, if there was a limit to God's love, I would have already surpassed the limit. Right? If there was a limit to God's love, I'm already outside the limit. But God keeps loving me when I don't deserve to be loved. You talk about devoted, I make the hair on my arm stand up and on the back of my head. He's been so devoted to me, oh man. 
So Paul's saying, hey, just FYI here, a real mark of maturity is you're not just going to love authentically, like you're going to be real, but you need to be devoted. And that's what Paul was getting at. I love Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That sounds like devotion to me. He's with me wherever I go. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe that the love of that believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Well, that's devoted. Paul said, God calls us to love others authentically. God calls us to love others devotedly. And then thirdly in our text, he says, God calls us to love others enthusiastically. Enthusiastically, verse 7, he's like, Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Be fervent in spirit in the way that you love. It reminded me of Titus 2.14. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Thank God that he has set us free and redeemed us and we are now his possession and he wants us to be zealous for good works he wants to love uh, he wants us to love others enthusiastically i'd actually like to ask everyone in here to join me in a tidal wave of loving our city and our county enthusiastically i want that to be a hallmark of our culture like, what do you mean? What's that look like? Like when people walk in, like they just get tidal waved with love. Like they just, they just feel it. Like they just, they just sense it. That's why I've always said our parking lot guys don't park cars. They welcome people. They don't park cars. They do, but they don't. That's not what they're doing. They're, they're welcoming. They're the, they're the welcoming committee. And I, and I want... From the moment people pull in on our campus to the moment they pull out, I want people to be loved enthusiastically. One of, I love our, the, the people that work our tents and, and, and help our guests out. A couple weeks ago, one of, one of the best that does it, she's phenomenal. She comes up to me, and she's full of enthusiasm, and she comes up to me, she's like, Pastor. And I was kind of with somebody, and as soon as I ended that conversation, she's like, Pastor, come here, I want you, I want you to meet somebody. They're new. And, and like she was taking me over, like hurry and make sure they didn't, these people didn't get away. And like I would meet them. And I was like, hey, it's okay. I don't need to go meet them. They're here interviewing for a job. <laughs> like I already know who they are. <laughs> like that's my, he might be joining our staff. I've already met him. She's like, oh, okay. Well, I just wanted to make sure you met him. Like we've met. We're, we're, we're interviewing them. So, but it was just beautiful because she didn't know. She, they're new. And they were. They were from out of state. They'd never been here before ever. And so it was but to love others enthusiastically. Our greeters do a phenomenal job loving others enthusiastically. Our ushers. Listen, I'm, our ushers have never earned their pay any more than they do in this current season with not enough space. And by the way, thanks for coming on Saturday night. And you just have to understand that when we fill up services like this on a Saturday night, it's unbelievable what's happening. We had over 600 in our two services last Saturday night and we had over a thousand on sunday so we've been two weeks ago we were seating people in the lobby we're seating people everywhere and so here's the funny thing we're in this season right now of 
having to seat people where they don't want to sit sometimes. And our ushers, I feel bad for them because, like, you know, people are like, well, I want to sit where I want to sit. No, you're sitting right here, you know. So, and I try and, and, and by the way, like, I try and help. So I'll be, like, in the lobby, and I know, the, I know it's packed, and I know, like, this is the only seats left, you know. And, like, I'll see people coming, and, and I'll just say, hey, they're getting ready to put you in the splash zone. And um, so they laugh, you know, and, and, and I, I, I can't help it. I mean, I just see a, every, every once in a while just a random uh, splash. So, um, but, I, but, I, but, I, but like our ushers, like from greeters to parking lot to tent to, to seating people where they don't want to be seated, just let's love others enthusiastically. Like, in fact, truth of the matter is, I feel better if people don't come back because they didn't think the preaching was that good than if they don't come back because they didn't feel loved. I'd rather them go, well, he tried. I'll bet he's nice. I'll bet he is. But I've got to go look for another church. Um, I'm not going back there. But that's okay. But what I don't want them doing is leaving and saying, well, that's about the coldest place I've ever been in my life. I, I went to that church. It was the, it was, well, I, I, I mean, I just tell my neighbor, I told my neighbor the other day, I nicknamed it the Church of the Frozen Chosen. I mean, it was just dead cold i mean nobody like they didn't care if i was there or not no i i want people to just know that like if they come in these doors we're going to love them enthusiastically i got to do a last minute thing this past week that was really fun i was supposed to have breakfast with a guy the next morning and he texted me he said hey pastor how about if instead of breakfast tomorrow morning we go the orlando magic game and I'm buying the tickets. I'm like, sold. And um, it's like, babe, a guy in the church needs me. I got to go to the magic game with him. And um, so it was, it was really kind of cool. We, we got there about, well, we got there when the magic were down seven and nothing. And it ended up being an entire drumming the whole night by the Cleveland Cavaliers. But that's another story. But anyway, we, we got there just, just like a minute or two into the game. And, and it was really kind of cool, to be honest with you, because it's the best seats I've ever had in a basketball game. And the guy was really nice. We were like maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 rows from the court. So I've never been like, like that. And uh, I leaned over to him and I was like, just a minute or two in, I'm like, I said, dude, because you can see everything from down there. I'm like, it's a, whatever night it was, like Tuesday. I'm like, this place is packed. Like it's sold out on a Tuesday night. Like, I mean, I know the Magic are having a decent year, but like, I mean, and the energy was like electric in that place. And it was just like, I mean, I don't know, games and timeout things and all. And, and so I finally, I was like, why is this place so packed? And uh, we found out it was uh, Brazil night, which I thought was super cool because we have a lot of Brazilians in our church. So you, I, I, I like, I loved it on your behalf. And um, so what happened was they, because we were down kind of close security kept throwing people out of our section and they kept throwing them out because and i didn't know why at first but they were all trying to get a photo of this guy that was sitting courtside well lo and behold he is some brazilian soccer star and he's like the best brazilian soccer soccer star there is and 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 by the way at halftime they evidently they brought the biggest 
Brazilian rock star. And she was good. I, I don't have any idea what she said, but she was good. And, um, but they like, I mean, I was just thinking like, if you're from Brazil, you'd love this night. Like they flew in your soccer star. They flew in your, your gal that sings. They, the whole thing is about Brazil that night. And I mean, it's, it was just a vibe. It was just enthusiastic. And, and I was like, man, this is awesome just being a part of this. And I want people to, like, when they come here, like, man, they're glad I'm here. Like, like I don't know if this is for anybody else, but this is for me. Apparently, they've been waiting for me to come. And I, I want us to, as a church, to not just love people authentically and devotedly, but I want us to love them enthusiastically. Zealous for good works, Paul told Titus. Number four, God calls us to love others consistently. Verse 12. Another mark of maturity is not just authentic and devoted and enthusiastic, but consistently. Verse number 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Okay, so that rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. Do you, do you sense that that's two different seasons? Remember when you pledged to live with love in different seasons? Rich or poor? Sickness and health? Some of you have been blessed by consistent love. Some of you guys have made some really bonehead financial decisions. Right? We all have. And there she is, still there. You know, one of the greatest things you can give your marriage is consistency. One of the greatest things you can give your parenting is just consistent love. One of the greatest things you can give to your small group is just consistent love. One of the greatest things you can give to your church family, consistent love. One of the greatest things you can give to your circle of friends, consistent love. A love that's not circumstantial or seasonal, but a love that is consistent. The old adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And they want to know that you consistently love them. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Just being consistent about it. Paul says, this is a mark of maturity. Like, hey, biblical literacy and theological knowledge, nothing wrong with it, but that doesn't mean spiritual maturity. Faithful church attendance and being able to pray public prayers, being able to quote couple verses no hey good job that's good nothing wrong with it but that doesn't equal spiritual maturity spiritual maturity is the surrendered life separated from the world's value system sober self-assessment and it's serving others in love and that serving others in love is authentically devotedly enthusiastically consistently then lastly god calls us to love others hospitably Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. God calls us to love hospitably. Henry Nowen said, hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. That touched me. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. For a very long time, 
I've said that your spiritual maturity is not my responsibility. Any more than my spiritual maturity is your responsibility. And sometimes people are like, well, pastor, we pay you to do what you do. Like, how, can, how come you're not responsible for my spiritual maturity? Because I can't make you mature any more than you can make me mature. And, and while I'm not responsible for your spiritual maturity, here's what I am responsible for. Here's what our staff is responsible for. Our staff are responsible to create the environments in which you can grow. We're responsible to create the environment, in the best environment we can. It's not perfect, but every time we do something, trying to create environments where people can grow. And, and that really needs to flow from a vibe of hospitality. And, and hospitality doesn't change people, but hospitality gives them the, the space to experience change. How many of you ever walked into a church and you did not feel welcomed? You didn't feel hospitality in return? Ever walked into a church? Okay. How many of you are still going to that church? I've tried to get rid of him. I can't. And uh, <laughs> he's extroverted. He, he's good with that. Um, everybody wants to feel welcome. Want to feel hospitable. And I, once again, I say thanks to all of our volunteers who make people just feel welcome. Go out of your way to. And, and you know, sometimes it's inconvenient. I, I felt so. I felt so bad. I got a text last night. Our, a whole, well, I pulled in the campus the other day. There were three of those big, big vans here. And I was like, what are those for? And I was asking somebody, what are the vans for? And they're like, oh, we're, they're taking teenagers to rock the universe at Universal Studios. I guess it's like a Christian concert thing, like all weekend. So they're, they're down there. So I get a text last night that one of our volunteers that went as a leader fell and broke her elbow and had to have six screws and a plate put in this morning. I'll bet she wished she didn't volunteer for that youth event. <laughs> and you know, I talked to her husband today. He said, Pastor, we have felt, and this is exactly what he said, we have felt so loved. He said, the church has just, everybody has gone out of their way to love on us. And, uh, but I thought to myself, you know, here's somebody that, that's, you know, two weeks in a cast, six weeks of rehab. You know, who knows all that comes with that nonsense. But it's just hospitable. Didn't have to serve, just trying to love kids. And by the way, there, there could be younger adults serving than this couple. But they're still loving teens in our church and making sure that kids feel welcome. And by the way, they've had them in their home. They've opened up their home for small group. They've had, they've had them over one-on-one, two and two or four. I mean, they, they just open their own meals, whatever, regularly being hospitable. And you know, you just, here's the thing. We just never know when we're going to be given the opportunity to love somebody like this passage calls us to love. Hospitality, consistently, devotedly, enthusiastically, authentically. You, you don't know when God's going to do something supernatural and give you an opportunity to love somebody. And one of the craziest things that has ever happened to me in ministry happened to me Thursday night. So a guy in our church who's here in this service, I, I, in fact, before I come out, I looked at the text again just to, I, 
I didn't even realize it was this late. He texted me Thursday night at 619. And he said, Pastor, I've got some friends that have come to the church a couple times. And his father is in Canada, and he has to fly up Saturday, and it looks like it's the end of life. And the guy just needs some help on, as the son, what he should do because there's no brain activity, and so he's flying up, and they just need some help. It was 619. I was in the middle of something. When I got the text, I just scanned it real quick, and I thought, okay, I need to get to that. That, that, that is going to rank as important. Next thing I know, between Addie and the puppy and my wife, I'm sidetracked. And uh, by the way, I'm also, admittedly, hangry because I've not eaten all day like much. And so it's, Denise got home, and I'm like, what are we doing for dinner? Like, I'm starving. Like, I didn't eat lunch. Like, what are we? It's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we, let's just go somewhere. So I said, okay. So we leave the house, I don't even know what time, 7, 7.30, leave the house, and we just drive up to the closest grocery store, Publix there on 100 near Flagler Beach and not too far from our house. And there's a few little places to eat, so we decide we're going to go to a Mexican place to eat. And we're getting out of the van, and I'm literally getting out of the car seat. And a guy says to me from about 20 feet away, Pastor Greg? I'm like, hey, like, sorry. And he, I can tell he didn't want to startle me, and he kind of did startle me. It was okay because I just was, wasn't looking. And he's like, hey. Um, he said, this is crazy. He said, my friend just texted you and asked if you could help me because my dad's dying in Canada. There's 125,000 people in Flagler County. I leave my house and I go to get something to eat and that guy sees me, recognizes me and gets to me before I even got my granddaughter out of the car. And we just stood in the parking lot and we talked and Addie, two and a half, she couldn't stay in real long so I was like, hey babe, just, you know, you guys go into the restaurant, go ahead and order. And so now it's him and his wife and myself. They stood there for a while and I stayed longer and and we're just talking and quite honestly there were tears and we're all like you know misty eyed and talking and just you know what do I do pastor like what's my responsibility like what do you think and how do you handle it and I've been through this a lot so I'm kind of just trying to in the middle of the parking lot so anyway I I said um after we, maybe we probably talked 20 minutes, I guess, maybe something like that on time. Kind of passes quickly, maybe 15, I don't know. And I said, hey, and she's like, we gotta go eat, Pastor. I'm like, let's, we talked a few more minutes. So I said, let's pray before I go. So we just prayed right there in the parking lot. And um, when I said amen, there are two ladies standing right at the edge of the car that we're blocking. And the lady said, and they startled me because I didn't know they were there. And the lady said, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like, I prayed. I bowed my head, and I prayed with you. And she's like, that was beautiful. And I'm like, well, the backstory story is, his dad's dying in 
He's got to go take care of that. And she's like, ah, ah, that was, I'm so glad I was able to be a part of that. And I'm like, and I walked away and I, I just go in the restaurant. And I think 125,000 people in this county. I got a text message less than an hour ago. The only two people I run into in the parking lot are this guy and his wife. Do you not think that God sets up divine appointments? And I'll bet this week he's got somebody waiting that needs to be loved. And they don't care about your biblical literacy. And they don't need your theological prowess. And they're not concerned about if you were faithful at church last week or if you can pray a public prayer. They would just like to know, do you not love me well? Because right now, I could just use a little bit of love. And I want this to mark your life. And I want this to mark our church. That we are loving people. Let us pray. Hey, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. How about if you take just a minute and love somebody through prayer? Somebody that you know that could just use a little prayer right now. Why don't you love on them through your prayer? Just pray for that one right now. And ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to love better than you've ever loved. That you can demonstrate the love of Christ to that person. And he'll give you an opportunity to do that. In the way that God's love has not run out on you, that your love won't run out on them. Father, we just are so, so thankful for your word. It just like, like a surgeon's knife just kind of cuts down in and gets to where we need to be uh, operated on, where I need to be operated on. So, Lord, make this core competency, this mark of maturity, mark us. Mark our church. Mark our faith. Mark our Christianity. That five weeks, five months, five years beyond like, this is how our faith is getting lived out. This is how our faith is getting fleshed out. Like, we just really love people like the Scripture commands us to. And hasn't anybody loved us like you have, Father? So we're just given what we've received. Scandalous love has come from you to us. And our desire is to give that to others. We love you because you first loved us. And now, may we go and love others.